Hey everybody. This is House of Hope podcast series, presented by Gotham and House of Hope. Today's topic is, the power and purpose of ministry training. Our speaker today is, Alagbenga Adilola. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for today. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh Lord, I commit myself into your hands. Let everything that I speak today be inspired only by your spirit. I pray that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified and your people will be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's give the contestants a round of applause again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it was always going to be a win-win situation for me because I'm also in CG. I'm also in GIT. So uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Uh, welcome to House of Hope. This is a place where hope becomes manifestation. Um, today we're taking a, you know, a short break from our series, Amazing Grace, to focus on uh, mobilization for our seminary. And this is happening everywhere across government North America. Uh, so today our focus is going to be the power and the purpose of ministry training. I'd like to welcome those who are joining us online. I'd like to welcome those of you who are here. I'd like to welcome those of you who are listening to us um, on our podcast. So to begin, we bless the Lord for what he alone is doing in government North America. Uh, like I said, today has been designated as our seminary mobilization day. And the goal is to increase awareness and facilitate the registration process uh, across all of our churches in North America. So we're going to start with the very elementary stuff. Um, has anybody here ever heard of, a, what, of a, the term seminary? Yes, no, maybe? Okay, maybe some people might, some people might not. But what is a seminary? A simple definition, and I read. A seminary is an institution for preparing men and women for the work of the ministry by educating them in various aspects of theology and equipping them with relevant life skills to prepare them for fruitfulness in the church and in the marketplace. So if we're going to, you know, give a statement, we often call this, you know, the value proposition of the government and a seminary, it'll read, as, it'll read thus. For men and women who exhibit the call and God's grace in their lives and have a great passion for the work of the ministry in government North America and around the world, the seminary will provide the platform to become servant leaders in Christ for advancing the gospel across the nations of the world. And what is the vision, right? The word of God says without a vision, people perish. So we have a vision. And the vision is to raise a new generation of exemplary, spirit-filled, doctrinally sound, and marketplace servant leaders for advancing the gospel in government North America and around the world. So what will our seminary be? Our seminary will be a platform for continuous ministry training and to provide knowledge for necessary skills for effective succession planning and continuous ministry engagement. So the seminary is not just for a set of people. The seminary is for everyone. I mean, seminary is for young, it's for old, whether you're a full-time minister, whether you're not a minister, you can find yourself in the seminary. So now that we know what a seminary is, you know, why do we need training? Why do we need ministry training? Is it just something that is arbitrary? 
or is it something that is intentional? Why do we need to be trained? Uh, and uh, we're going to read two verses uh, from the Bible, uh, in both of them in 2 Timothy. The first verse is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, and I read. It says, But you must continue with the things which you have learned, and being assured of knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Second Timothy chapter two, verse two. And I read, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there's, you know, there's often said in, in many places that, you know, leaders are readers and leaders are learners. And the place where you develop skill, you know, whether you want to have a sustainable organization growth cannot be overemphasized because that's really what determines how your organization is going to live or how it's going to end pretty much. And every kingdom giant is a learner. There are many people that you see, they don't just, it's not just a, um, you know, as our person pastor has often said, you don't just get, you know, knowledge or training by osmosis, by just rubbing your shoulders with people who are great men. You have to do the things that great people have done. Um, so Paul charged Timothy, this is Paul writing to Timothy, uh, who was a young church leader at the time, that he should continue with the things that he had been taught. Um, but not just so, so that he can learn those things, but I saw that I can also commit those things to faithful people. So like I was saying, nobody is born with nat you know, naturally born with, you know, ministry knowledge or expertise, just like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, nobody is born with spiritual maturity. It's something that is always learned and it requires diligence and commitment. So you could see that ministry training, in other words, um, is intentional, it's progressive, and it's always transferred. So what are some of the benefits of ministry training? Um, again, these are some of the things that God accomplishes through ministry training. So it's not just about us doing training for the sake of doing training. It's because we are aligning ourselves with God's will and God uses ministry training to accomplish his desires. So number one, you'll find ordinary people, you know, both men and women, um, turned into outstanding champions for the kingdom. Uh, the example here from, from Samuel is David and his mighty men. Uh, David was a mighty man, but that wasn't where it stopped. Yes, he was trained, he was skilled, but he also raised a company of very mighty people. And the scriptures uh, tell us those great things that those, uh, those men did. The second benefit is that one generation commends the work of God to the next generations. Uh, Psalm 145 verse 4, and I read, says, it says, one generation shall praise your work to another and shall declare your mighty acts. A third benefit is doctrinal understanding and biblical precepts are clarified and transferred. Um, Psalm 44 verse one says, we have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers, you have, our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, in the days of old. And second Timothy uh, two, chapter, verse, chapter two, verse two, which you read already, it says that the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, 
who will be able teachers as well. The fourth benefit of ministry training is development of cutting edge skills and expertise for sustainable ministry operations, you know, both locally and globally. Psalm 78 verse 72 reads and I, uh, says, and I read, so he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his own hands. The fifth benefit of ministry training is character. It's not just about knowledge or learning things, it's about personal transformation. Uh, it says character that solid solidifies our walk with God and makes ministry acceptable is developed. Again, we talked about uh, spiritual maturity today. We talked about discipline. It requires our, it requires a commitment from us. And that is what develops character. The sixth benefit is that through this type of training, you know, both men and women become custodians. You know, things are committed into your hands that, that, that you're supposed to do. Uh, you become defenders, you become perpetrators of the covenant that is established in the house. Genesis 14, 14, I read, and it says, Now when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house, and he went in pursuit as far as Dan. The seventh benefit of ministry training is the spirit of apostolicity, apostolicity. And that's imparted and this is sustained. Paul in writing to the Romans in uh, chapter one, verse 11, he says, for I long to see you, them that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. The eighth benefit of ministry training is the development uh, of detailed and a deeper understanding of God, which cannot be possible in a church setting. So today we come, we have our service, you know, for the most part, it's, well, it's every week uh, on the Sunday. For the most part, it's 40 minutes. There's only so much you can say, only so much you can learn um, in a 40 minute session compared to when you spend, I'm sure most of us here have been to, you know, to college and we led different courses versus spending a time to actually go through a particular subject in depth. And then uh, number nine, is that doubt and theological ignorance are replaced with knowledge and understanding. And in Malachi 2.7, it says, for the lips of the priests should keep knowledge and people should seek the law from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Second Timothy verse two, chapter 15 says, this is why the scripture says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So now that we've known what the seminary is, we've we understood that the needs, I mean, sorry, the, uh, the benefits of, of ministry training, let's look at some examples from the New Testament that we can, we can practically see. So we can learn from, I mean, who else do we learn from, if not from our Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, Jesus Christ learned obedience by the things he suffered, the scripture says. The first 30 years of his life were training, where it's preparation. You don't really hear much, you know, before that time, besides maybe, you know, turning water into wine. But little wonder that he was, uh, he reasoned with the teachers of his own day. It says, as a 12-year-old, he was found among teachers, listening to them and asking questions. He often referenced the scriptures effortlessly, and, you know, he had a firm grip on it. And when he was tempted, he was able to uh, rebut the, the, the devil by the actual word of God. The second example we see are the disciples. 
the first thing that Jesus did was to select 12 disciples. Um, he could train to do what he had called them to do. And Jesus showed the example that the first step, if you're a leader or a major leader um, who wants to have not just, you know, an impactful ministry, but a sustainable ministry is to find your replacements while you're still active and while you're still alive. And the disciples were with Jesus for about, you know, for three years, he taught them both publicly and privately and invested more time in them um, and taught them deeper truths than he would have spent or that he did with the actual congregation. Example number three, are the apostle, uh, sorry, is the apostle Paul and his protégés and the churches. Um, so Paul was, was a tireless learner, a tireless, a tireless learner, tireless uh, trainer. Uh, he was trained in the things you know, of God, but he gave himself into unending study of the word of God. Um, not just to understand the content, but to understand the culture. And, you know, he didn't also just teach in one particular way. He would teach in a very structured way. He would teach in a very informal way, wherever he found himself. And we read in the, in the book of Acts 19, verse 9, which if we remember from our last quarter um, in Sunday school, you know, uh, Paul had a school uh, of, of Tyrannus where he, you know, called some people apart. And, you know, because there's a lot of strife where he was, where he was, you know, and he said, okay, you know what? These people cannot be trained in this type of environment. So he took them and we he went separately and he started to train them. Um, so he gave so much attention to, uh, to acquisition, acquisition and revelation knowledge. And he committed himself not just to learning those things, but to passing them on through his, you know, his, his preachings, his epistles and his ministry interactions. Today, we read the New Testament, which are, you know, parchments of the letters that he wrote to, to, to the different churches and to different people. And it says even he was under those, even when he was in house arrest, right? When he was in prison, he never stopped passing knowledge. That was how his life was about. It was always about passing knowledge and revelation of knowledge of God to others. So um, we're going to read Second uh, Timothy 1 uh, verse 13 and then, you know, Titus 1, 9 and then Second uh, Thess um, Thessalonians. And then we'll, you know, we'll continue. So I read Second Timothy 1 verse 13. It says, hold on to the pattern of teaching you have heard from me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And in the New Living Translation of Titus 1, 9, I read, it says, he must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. And in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 15, I read, it says, With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we pass to you, both in person and by letter. So we see here, these are some of the examples in the New Testament of, uh, of learning. We see, you know, men of God, we see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ learning. We see that learning, you know, uh, being intentional. We see the learning being both in a formal setting, which is the learning also being in an informal setting. Uh, we see that the learning didn't just stop by learning. The learning, I mean, the learning had to be transferred and committed to faithful people who would also commit that to other faithful people. And that's how you see the continuation of us in the body of Christ, how we have to learn and we have to continue. Um, and, you know, in doing God's business, nobody just, you know, 
just starts, just, you know, begins and ends with the calling. It's good to be called, but there's also a process of sanctification. There's also a process of preparation before God then finally sends you out. Uh, and we see that practically in the lives of all these people. So now that we know what a seminary is, we know what the benefits of ministry training are, and we've actually seen some practice in the Bible of, you know, how, you know, how learning works. Uh, let's, you know, now come home, I would say, see within government, right? What is government's culture of learning and training? The Gulf of Admission International, which we, you know, we abbreviate as, as government, is a New Testament church, and we've been commissioned by God to meet the needs of mankind through the word in his grace and of his power, right? We know our, you know, we're, we're to, you know, preach the word, teach the word, and to live the word. And we are both a learning and teaching church after the order of the early church that we've seen and read in the Acts of the Apostles. So the scripture says in the contemporary version in Acts 2, Verse 42. Okay. In Acts 2, verse 42. Amen. All right. In Acts 2, verse 42, and I read, it says, They spent their time learning from the apostles, and they were like family to each other. They also broke bread and prayed together. Our Father and the Lord and General Overseer, Pastor Elijah Abinos said, and I quote, it is dangerous to raise immature members that are being drifted by every wind of false doctrines like children who can't differentiate between right or wrong. This is in alignment with the word of God in Ephesians 4.14, which says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Again, I reference our Sunday school this morning. We said one of the you know, characteristics of somebody who's a spiritual babe is they're not stable. They're, today they're here, tomorrow they're the other place. So in essence, you know, our desire as a ministry is to grow people uh, spiritually so that we will not be people that will be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. As well, the Gospel Faith Mission International has been known as a learning and a training church. Many of our fathers of, you know, of faith that we know or may not know were or started as just ordinary men who were called. Right? We said, you know, it's not enough for you to be called. They also had to go through training. And now they are, you know, across the globe, many renowned um, leaders, captains of industry and operations all over the world. And the Bible school that we have in Nigeria was established on January 3, 1972. And the first set of students graduated in 1975. And we have continued to train many full-time, part-time ministers of God who are doing kingdom exploits all over the globe in multiple continents up to date. Um, one example that you may know is our resident pastor, uh, Pastor Sunday Adu, who gave his testimony about, many, about how many, many years ago uh, he heard the voice of God and the voice, you know, of a man of God that he should go to, um, to go to Bible school. And today he is the assistant general overseer of foreign missions. Um, again, these are practical examples. So he's somebody who was trained 
within government and is doing many great exploits across the globe today. Would we agree? Amen. Government Eni, as a global and apostolic hub of the church, believes in the importance of ministry training. And it's very practical. Um, you know, we've had some, you know, many structured trainings that we've had in the past, and I would call them short-term trainings for our leaders that have been very, very impactful. And I've actually been a part of one of them, right? For those who attended the basic and advanced uh, leadership trainings for deacons and deaconesses, elders and pastors, you will testify that that training was both revelational and transformative. Um, and that was intentional. And that goes to show you that within government North America, we tremendously value structured training. And like I said, I was a part of that training and that was a blessing to me. Again, it's not everybody or not everywhere you go that you find those type of things, but that's just to let you know that we're focused on learning and on training. And to quote uh, our Assistant General Overseer for Foreign Missions, uh, Pastor Sunday Adu, uh, and I read, he says, the vision behind uh, the training, uh, which I just referenced, is to expose men and women to advanced leadership principles and resources that would help them handle their responsibility with understanding. It also enables them to catch the spirit of apostolicity. Apostolic movement, known as apostolicity, involves a radical community of disciples centered on the Lordship of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Spirit, but squarely on a fivefold ministry, organized around mission where everyone, not just professionals, is considered an empowered agent to reach the unreached, plant churches, and establish the saints. I continue. In the apostolic movement, every believer is a church planter, and every church is a church planting church. Every believer has ecclesia, which we know is the word for church, means called out, uh, in him or her, and every ecclesia is responsible for the reproduction of others. So in other words, they all make a movement. God is set to raise armies for himself in government North America that will take the gospel banner to all the states of America and all the nations. And this institute is a little fire God is rekindling to make that a reality. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 So, so, what, so that's, those are the things we've done in the past. So Government NA Seminary is now taking this step one step further, taking this vision one step further. And we have created an opportunity for young men and women to be an active part of advancing God's purpose, not just in North, government North America, but across the world. And to quote our national overseer, Pastor Taiwo Fagui, um, and I read, he says, if you want to remain fresh, deep, profound, relevant, impactful, and influential in life and ministry, you cannot but obey the laws of continuous education called the principle of CANE, which is an acronym for constant and never ending improvement. And he says, do everything to keep equipping yourself to become a better and more capable minister of the gospel, knowing that the more you equip yourself, the more you will empower and enable others to rise and shine. Remember, 
The ministry's bottom line is empowering others to be their best for the Lord. And you can only, to con- you can only continue to do that when you don't stop equipping yourself rightly. So, what is the Government NA Seminary? Well, it is your or our God-given platform to achieve this goal for continuous learning, for unstoppable growth in ministry and also in our lives. So, we've learned about what a seminary is. We've learned why there's a necessity for training. We've seen some examples from the New Testament. And now we've seen in the context of government, what, is, you know, what learning and training is to us. We've seen the examples in the past uh, from our fathers of the Lord, how they you know, were trained with, you know, from the Bible school in Nigeria, and they're doing great exploits for the Lord. We see in North America how we've had short-term training. And the example was the uh, basic and advanced training for, for leaders, which we've all been a part of. And we've now seen that moving further to the present, the seminary is taking that to another level for us to raise men and women who are being commissioned or who have been commissioned to advance the gospel both in North America and beyond. Amen. So what is the vision? You know, what does that vision look like, right? We're talking about the seminary. We're talking about advancing the gospel. What does that vision look like in terms of our strategy in government North America? So establishing and operating a seminary is our leadership's response to a dire need, which is what? We need to raise a new generation of leaders for succession. Like we read, like we, like we, just, like we just shared, uh, great leaders start preparing for after they leave, not when they leave. They start preparing while they're still alive, while they're still active. Uh, our national overseer is still very much alive, very act, much active. Our AGO is alive, very much active. And our other leaders are alive and very much active. And this is the time for the succession planning and execution to begin. And that is exactly what we're doing in government North America. So with this seminary, we're creating our own standard to meet that immediate need in such a way to create a pathway for continuity and advancement with the framework. So what are we saying? We're saying that this is, yes, is addressing a primary need, but it's not just, you know, we're not just thinking about that primary need or that present, we're thinking about the future. So the seminary is structured in a way that, yes, it would address a, a primary need, but it's also laying the foundation for even greater training in the future. Um, so our goal is that by the end of the program, right, as a student just coming into the seminary, you're not just going to be, um, or they're going to be not only transformed, but you should have grown and become a trained minister of Christ ready for every good work, right? And this is going to be done in such a way that, you know, if this is the only level that you can engage as a minister of God, you will still be proficient, right? So, you know, it's not just so that, um, uh, oh, let me rephrase myself. Uh, it's done in such a way that even if this is the only thing that you do, you will be proficient minister. The very, very basics that you need as a minister, you would have them. And it will lay a great foundation for you to even step further. But even if you are not able to step further, by going through this training, you would already be proficient. And in order for us to get that done, we've looked at three particular areas that the seminary is going to focus on. These areas are personal transformation, spiritual growth, and ministry readiness. So those are the three areas that we're going to be, that the curriculum is going to be focused on. 
And like we said, we're starting with the basic primary need, and we're starting with a certificate in ministry. That is the very first program that we're beginning. And uh, it's a one-year certificate program in ministry. And, you know, if some of you may be wondering, okay, what does that look like? What does that entail? What does that mean? Um, I'm going to share some, some points on, you know, the things that were in mind or the things that informed this program being launched the way that it is being launched. So number one, this is our first time, at least in government North America, of going down this way, right? So, you know, it's always wise that when you want to begin something new around the path that you've never been before, you start at a manageable, basic level that everybody can uh, understand, which will address your immediate um, need, but then you can always grow, you know, from there. Um, and then secondly, you know, one of the requirements is that uh, the basic minimum requirement is that you have a, a GED, right? That's a general education diploma, if I'm not mistaken, or something that's equivalent. And why is that? Because you want to allow everybody to participate um, in the program. So the entry level requirement is, you know, brought down to a standard where we believe that it becomes attainable for anybody who wants to be part of that program. And then thirdly, we're starting with foundations in, uh, you know, theological education, right? Yeah, theology can be very deep, um, but we're starting with just the foundations of, of that. And again, in consideration of you, because we understand and we know that, you know, there are many things going on in your life, whether it's your business, whether it's your family life, whether it's your professional life, um, the, the load is not going to be too heavy. And we're going to leverage technology to make it very simple and very user-friendly and very accessible um, for you to encourage people to participate so that you can balance your other life engagements. Don't get me wrong, it's going to be a sacrifice, like we know. That's not what we're saying. However, we also considerate of the fact that there's, you know, only so much that we can balance together with, you know, life engagements and other commitments. So it's not going to be such a heavy load where you, you will be discouraged in signing up. And also, the program is going to be 100% virtual or online. Uh, I know we sometimes use those terms interchangeably, uh, but the point is that it's not going to be a physical class. Uh, you'll be accessing your classes online, uh, virtual. They could be virtual. They're probably going to be a, lend, a blended experience where you're going to have a virtual live experience with an instructor. And then you will have some online content that you can go with and go on and engage by yourself. Um, and that is what, how we're going to do that. So those classes will be in modules and therefore is easily, uh, more easily accessible by you as a student. As it stands, the current start date is May this year. So we're already in March. So that puts us two months away. And uh, the, the goal, as it stands, is that the first set of students will graduate during the 2024 convention. And we've shared this before, but I'm gonna give a, another breakdown of the um, of the tuition of the fees, right? So application fee is fifty dollars. Tuition is fifty dollars per credit hour, and for eighteen credits, in order to complete the one year certificate program, that comes to nine hundred dollars. There's a technology fee and other fees, which is fifty dollars, and that totals a thousand dollars. Most of us here, I know, are you know very well educated. If you were to compare the um, the the credit hour rate with other places you can see this is very very small um that's intentional 
It's very, very intentional. Um, and it only happens, why? Because it's been subsidized, right? If we're going to charge the, because again, running a school and we have a desire, uh, but the school at the same time um, has to be sustainable, it cannot go into, into debt, right? So something has to give. And what gave is the fact that the leadership has prioritized this training, so therefore they have subsidized it. So it's not $50 per credit hour. That's not to tell you, that's not because the quality of the education is a $50 uh, per credit hour uh, education. No, it's because it's been subsidized so that we can afford it. Does that make sense? So let's give the Lord a hand. Yeah, let's do that. All right, so that is done to encourage enrollment. So don't think of it and be like, okay, no, it's, you know, I'm paying uh, $1,000 per credit at this, at this uh, college or school, so that means that must be more valuable. No, it's because we want to bring it to you, and that's what leaders do. Leaders make things accessible. So registration process is ongoing, um, and the applica application portal is governmentnaseminary.org. Um, but, you know, in following the, um, the example of my leaders, and because this is Chosen Generation Takeover Service, uh, I will be, yeah, clap, I haven't, I haven't even finished. <laughs> I will be sponsoring one CG member. Yeah. I'll be sponsoring one CG member to the school. Um, well, you have to register first. <laughs> I'll be sponsoring at least one person by God's grace, by God's grace, because it's important. It's, it's important. Um, I say by God's grace because he's the one that supplies all my needs according to the just in glory by Christ Jesus. It's not because of anything that I can have of myself. So that's why I'm saying that. Um, but then you get more information through CG communication channels. So if you are not active on our communication channels, you will not get this information. Uh, yes, I just called you out. So um, <laughs> in continuing, right, registration is open. It's open, right? We said today's goal is for mobilization and for registration. So you're gonna have a great learning experience. By God's grace, I'm also a part of the management team, so I can give you, you know, by not, give, by not spinning all of the beans, but we're working very hard in the background to make sure that it's gonna be a great learning experience. You know, that's, you know, by God's grace, those of us who are on the a team are very um, experienced and we have the spirit of excellence, and that's what is driving us to move forward. And the seminary administrator, Pastor Dr. Tosi Oladakwa, whom I also have the privilege of knowing, you know, personally. Um, he is the school administrator and he has great ministry training. As you can see, he's, uh, he has his PhD, he has experience. Um, and he has also the in-house knowledge of government North America. So, you know, personally speaking, uh, I think he's, well, I, know, I know that he is the right person for this particular, uh, for this particular job to make sure that we're going to be excellent. So, who can attend the seminary? Who can guess? Who can attend the seminary? Everyone. There we go. You'll be paying attention. <laughs> Everyone, right? Whether you're a CG member, whether, you know, anyone who doesn't have similar ministry training, whether you're a deacon, you're a deaconess, elder, assistant pastor, and pastor, but we can't leave out the other parts of the fivefold ministry, whether you're an apostle, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a prophet, whether you're an evangelist, this is for who? This is for who? This is, <laughs> this is for who? <laughs> oh, I hear so many people saying for me. I don't, I don't. <laughs> exactly. Personalize it. Your work with God is personal. 
Amen. So in conclusion, and um, we're going to go into, oh, sorry, I almost lost my. Uh, so in conclusion, I'm going to quote um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He says, we are now faced with the fact um, that tomorrow is today, right? We are confronted with the fierce urgency of now. In this unfolding conundrum of life and history, there is such a thing as being too late. This, this is no time for apathy or complacency. This is a time for vigorous and positive action. So with God's, with God's help, you know, this is going to be a great certificate program, um, you know, for the near future that would help us in ministry and in the marketplace. So now, this is our call to action. We want as many people as possible to, um, to register. We want as many people as possible to register, right? So it's a time to act, you know, so mobilization and action comes after that. And I read Isaiah 6, 8, it says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send. Let's read it together. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Let's read it one more time. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Let's read it again. And I want everybody, I'm watching your lips. I'm watching everyone's lips. All right, let's go. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. One more time. <laughs> also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Amen. Amen. So I just heard all of you say to the Lord, here I am, send me. I'm a witness to that. Amen. So having said that, let's, you know, we do want people to register today. So you can do that by going to the uh, URL, governmentnaseminary.org. Or if you can bring out your cell phone, this is one, this is one time they actually want you to use your cell phone during the service, this particular time. After this, we may forbid it, but this particular time, you can bring out your cell phone, scan the QR code, and it will take you to the application page. So we're going to spend the next five minutes doing that. And I'm going to humbly ask um, you know, the minister to just give us some soft music <laughs> on the keyboard. We're going to spend five minutes in registering, you know, for those of us who want to register now. You, again, I heard, I heard everybody say, here I am, send me. If you're in the Washington, D.C. region, visit in person at our address. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us in our social media. God bless you.